Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Thoughtfully designed, ethically sourced, and lovingly crafted with a distinctly minimal Instagrammable aesthetic, Herbable Botanicals has set a new standard of beauty. Today, I sit down with co founder Alex Camaro to discuss how this came to be. So, keep listening for more. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce your guest for today, Alex Camaro. If you haven't yet heard of Herbivore Botanicals, it's highly likely you'll have seen it on Instagram, and by the end of this episode, it will have it in your basket online. Co-founded by Alex and his partner Julia, what began with a soap-making kit 10 years ago in their Seattle kitchen has now grown into a best-selling brand at Sephora. Their products are formulated with the finest raw materials on earth, from French pink clay to activated bamboo charcoal, intent on showcasing the power of nature. And one thing I really resonate with this is their belief in empowering combination of holistic ingredients with rituals for both personal rejuvenation and an indulgent experience. And it's exactly what I hope to inspire with Fable and Maine. So Alex, it's an absolute honor and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here as well. And I always love sitting and talking to fellow founders. I feel like we get each other, you know, so. Exactly. There's, that's why I thought that there's like this hidden thing that we just, we just know the struggles, but we know that the, the joys as well. So this is what it's all about. Um, so Alex, the first question I want to ask, and I ask all my guests, it's a pretty tricky one, but it's an important one, is in a nutshell, who is Alex? Alex. Alex is 
someone who loves to make things and Alex is someone who loves to change things. So I feel like when starting Herbivore, it really just made sense. I didn't really come from a traditional beauty background, but I loved kind of exploring the space of natural handmade goods. And I experimented with really anything I could ever make. I love to create. It's in my heart, in my soul. So Herbivore was really kind of founded on this DIY nature of like, I can do this too, and I can make my own products. And I was having my own issues with my skin at the time. And I'm just like, all right, I'll just do it. It's just where my head always goes. Um, so, you know, I went to school, I went to art school as well. So when I like to create something, I love to I love to create the brand around it too, you know? So it's like, it's bringing in the aesthetic, bringing in the sensorial aspects of everything and just try to build beautiful things that I can use on my own. So in a perfect world, I would make everything around me. I would create my own little universe and that's me. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And, you know, learning about your journey and um, reading some articles online, I thought like we had so much in common because is it true that you had eczema growing up, right? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same as me. And I'm also quite, well, I like to think, think of myself as a creative person. So I, I thought like, you know, I was really excited to speak to you today because I was like, we had a lot of the similar like upbringing and building a brand, I think will have a lot of synergies in the storytelling. So um, I do want to know how that creative um, kind of passion growing up was cultivated into a, um, a need for a product for your own skin and your needs, but also into a beauty brand. Uh, initially, I believe it was an Etsy store selling soaps, right? Yeah, definitely. So my business partner, Julia and I, we started about a decade ago and it was just you know, something that we were creating together at the time. We were, we were making soaps. We again, just started, we had like a million hobbies we were doing, but this one just really kind of latched on. And this was something like, I remember we just, what we did first is we started making these loaves of soap and these loaves of soap, they were big. I mean, you would get like 12, 13 loaves, but it's like, okay, we made this one the next day. We're like, let's make a different one. Let's make a different one. What else can we add into it? And so we look at our cabinets and we're like, we have like a hundred bars of soap. It's going to take me like 17 years to use all these soaps. So, um, so that's when we decided like, let's haul this off to the market. Let's see, like, let's watch people engage with it. Let's see if people like this. And um, at the same time, we launched an Etsy shop as well. And it's just that feeling that you get when you put something out into the world and somebody looks at it and they're like, huh, this is pretty cool. You know? So it's like, I think our first Etsy sale is like on the second day we opened our shop and, they bought like our rose clay soap and it was somebody in Denmark. And I'm like, wow, somebody on the other side of the world like wants to use this. And it was just that little like moment. It was probably like a hit of endorphins I got, you know, of like somebody wants this. And it really just triggered this like, you know, the snowball effect for both of us of like, let's create beautiful products for the world, but let's really infuse like who we are into it. And that was always the most important thing about it because it's like, as we're both creatives, you know, and if we're going to take this on, like it's, it's a necessary outlet. Like we need an outlet as creatives. So that's kind of what Herbivore became. Um, so we just dumped ourselves into it. Amazing. And, and before we get into how retail came to be and then the huge growth of Herbivore, I do want to go a bit more into detail on the Etsy experience. Cause I think a lot of people who are starting out, this is pretty much one of the most kind of realistic avenues to begin with when cash flow is is limited and you know you're also proving concept i think proof of concept is super super important when starting a beauty brand um so what was it like creating the etsy store was there like a small business plan involved or was it just winging it till we see what happens 
We are the type of people who wing it. <laughs> I wish I could say I had a big formal business plan in front of me. But no, initially it was like, I always tell people it's like, it's a, it was a $50 investment, you know, essentially to build herbivore. And it's, we needed the initial supplies to make the first loaf of soap, but we put it on Etsy. Um, you know, this is even before social media had really taken off. So this was 10 2011, years ago. So, right? Yeah. yeah, 2011. So Etsy though was really they had a couple like marketing things that you could do. You could create these things called treasuries, get on the front page, front page exposure would get you shoppers. But essentially, I mean, it was, we had our $50, we put, we bought our first, you know, ingredients, we made the products, we sold those products and anything we'd make, we would just kind of put back into the brand. But from early on, we just realized like the importance of branding and photography, you know? And it's just like, when you're in such a competitive space, like, I mean, it's just, take beautiful photos. You know, I think photos are a really great way, especially when you're first starting off, because that's all people are getting in that online experience, especially if you're in beauty, um, because it's like, we're making products that are meant to be used and smelled and touched. And that's the hardest thing to convey. So, you know, we just built these little sets. We put them next to like the biggest window in our house, tried to get the most natural light spilling all over the products. And I feel like it was just kind of bringing in other creative around the products too to help really elevate them in the space and allow us to like stay competitive and get people excited about it. Um, so, and just uh, using a ton of it, like experimenting a bunch, like the nice thing about being on Etsy versus like, you know, where we are today now, it's like, we've got a three year pipeline. We're planning things yeah. out, you know, ages out, but like on Etsy, we could just be like, you know what, today let's try a sea salt, like hair texturizing spray, you know? And just like, mm. we would just, we would formulate and we would put it out there like three days later and people would be like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I love this. Or nobody buys it. So it's like, all right, never mind. You know, we so we've had some wins. I know. I want to tell you just like one of my learning moments too. It's like, this kind of a funny story, but it shows that we all have bloopers. But um, so I really wanted to put this Hiwakai Hawaiian black salt into a bar of soap. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It's got like this ex like really awesome purifying charcoal additive type thing going on. It's going to be exfoliating. It's going to be amazing. So I haul it off to the market. And what I didn't know is when these soaps get hot, they start to like sweat a little bit because of the sea salt in it. So this lady picks up the soap at the market. I'll use my glass as an example. She grabs it and it just like slips out of her hands. And she just like gets this look on her face and she walks away. But it's those learning moments. You're just like, cross it off the list. You know, you just pick yourself up, make something else instead. And it's just about finding those winners that resonate and just, you know. I love that. Yeah, I love those experiences, yeah. Uh, I, and I think going further than, yeah, you have the brand proof of concept, but then also product proof of concept. And it's a lot easier to do it when you're in an Etsy store than as we know today with like Sephora, where when you launch something in a big way with all these samples and sachets and this and marketing and this, you have to yeah. really hit it right. Otherwise it's a big yeah. investment gone down the drain. So it's, oh, yeah. it's tricky. But um, in a way that's kind of cool because as a creative kind of driving force, Etsy was the perfect marketplace for you to just like, you know, experiment with all those ideas um, and build the, the kind of the backbone behind her before. So I think that's amazing in a way. Um, but I do want to talk about how the first retailers came to be. And I think that's anthropology and urban outfitters. And, you know, we have this saying where it's, you know, kind of slid into your DMs and it's literally this kind of story, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Who was it? It was anthropology slid into our DMs um, on Etsy. And so... Mm -hmm. 
I, it's, it's a really unique time on Etsy, but I think a lot of these kind of lifestyle retailers were looking in fashion, were looking into, they saw a demand for natural products, um, but I think they were seeing what their current uh, companies that they were stocking couldn't pivot um, so quickly. So they started looking at the indie beauty scene, and I feel like we were really well positioned at the time. Um, we had the herbivore aesthetic going, we had branched into skincare, so we were just kind of a junior version of who we are today. But I remember, I mean, we were just working out of our apartment, uh, just two of us, you know, and we got that initial email. And I remember like Julia spent, I think it was like a day and a half wrapping up samples for anthropology. And we wanted to say, you know, it's like 12 samples. We're like, this has to be perfect. I think, yeah. you, know, you know, we're always perfectionists, I feel like. But, but yeah, it just had to be perfect, you know. So we put together this little sample pack. We sent it in and they're like great, let's do this. Let's work together. And they're like, can you fulfill this order? And they sent us the initial PO and we kind of like, you know, shaking our head no, but we're like, yes, <laughs> you know, um, because it was just the two of us again. We had the first order was a couple, you know, maybe three or 4,000 units. We were used to making 50, 60, 70 at a time. Um, so out went the furniture out of the apartment, in came the workbenches, in came the bright hot lights. The kitchen was no longer a place to prepare food. That was a place to make products. Um, we could not afford employees yet, but gave our friends food and beverages um, to come over and help as, you know, uh, you know, such good friends. Some of them still work with the company today. Um, so, yeah, it's really special. So just kind of like, you know, it's nice to have a little community around us that saw the opportunity and came and su surrounded us and supported us. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. And just walking into anthropology for the first time and seeing, you know, our products on shelves was like, it's those like those little victories that make, you know, doing something like this totally worth it. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I still haven't yet seen my products in store yet because um, mm. the lockdown and pandemic. So I am coming to America soon and I cannot wait. And I'm going to have that probably the same moment you had it when you saw your products in anthropology. It'll be like the aha moment of like, this is freaking cool to see our products. And we even have me and my sister's face on this little five by seven. So just even same on my face is there. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. So um, I understand so cool. that so well. Um, but I, you know, I do want to, before we go into the Sephora story, which is incredible, um, I do want to know that kind of, what was that transition period between the, the soaps and, um, you know, the, the initial kind of product line to then, the branding you see today with Herbivore, um, was there like a lot of iterations to get to what we see and what we all know from Instagram and Sephora today? <laughs> there are a few iterations. Um, I think just really kind of honing in our minimal aesthetic was kind of something we kind of worked on over the first year. And after the first year, it's funny, it's like right when we locked in on this like like pretty minimal, like, you know, it's inspired designs that inspired me were like vintage perfume lines like you know take it back to like coco chanel you know and it's just mm -hmm. this like beautiful glass bottle you have this super minimal label on it and it's like the whole idea was to like elevate natural skincare because at the time you know like we're totally synthetic free and it's like there were other brands that kind of were doing this but their packaging just felt really crunchy very just you know it wasn't something that i want to put on my vanity right so it's like yeah. bringing like our taste of aesthetic into the product um so that's kind of what we worked on over a year and then one week after we really put out the final like iteration of the brand that's when anthropology initially hit us up um but journeying from soap to skincare was really 
that was a journey based on community feedback. So we've mm. always really relied on like community around us and the social aspect of having a brand. Um, I love engaging with people who are fans of herbivores. So we'd always go out there and be like, okay, what do you guys want to see? And so from a very early time, we had that conversation engaged and they will tell you, if you ask, like they will let you know. So we're like, what would you, what do you want to see next? And like, we want to see toners. We want to see eye creams. We want to see this and that. And we would sit there and tally up every, you know, vote. And it's like, well, it looks like they want a toner right now. So let's bring the people a toner, you know? So it was always just about, you know, leaning on the community and bringing, bringing the people what they want. <laughs> And that's the most important is listening <laughs> and realizing the stakeholders go far beyond the founder, it's a team, it's the it's also the consumers and you need to develop and grow the brand with them and listen mm-hmm. as much as you can. And it's so important. I'm so glad you guys did that because as much as I love your soaps, I am obsessed with your skincare. So thank God you guys have you know branched into that because it's just incredible it's been a brand me and my sister have been loving so much and also one of the reasons why we have uh, this you know the same pr because um my, my sister we've just been obsessed with herbivore and we were like okay we have to work with spencer because herbivore is the brand where we just have been obsessed with since we saw it into fora many years ago um but i do also want to ask about um herbivore the name herbivore botanical so how did the name come to be um in the whole process. Yes, we came up with about, I don't know, 3,453 options or something. <laughs> no, we came up with so many options for the name. Um, but really, I love the name Herbivore because uh, it just kind of like sticks with you, but we're a vegan brand and I'm vegan and it just really resonates. So like Herbivore is like, it's all about, you know, it's plant, it's plant-based. It has the word yes. herb in it. That's cute. You know, we use lots of herbs, but um, yeah. it just felt like a name that was timeless and could stick around. And um so that's really where it comes from. I mean, also vegan power, uh, plant-based, that's great. So, and that's why I, I wanted to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, as a founder as well, um, were you vegan? I was like, yes, you are. That's awesome. Um, but um, so now going to the Sephora story, which when I read about it, I was like, I got literally shivers. So it was at a craft show, but just tell us more about it, tell, you know, from your words. Yeah, totally. So this is all speculation still. Like, this is what I think went down because I never got, like, the full story. But um, so we were doing um, this craft show circuit. It was Renegade Craft. Um, We were going down the coast with them. We stopped in San Francisco. It was an amazing show. Such a great turnout. And that was, this is, you know, it was a really fun era of the brand because it's back when it was still very small team. And we could take the brand on the road and interface with thousands and thousands of people in a given weekend. And you learn so much when you do that. But, you know, somebody came up to the booth and they're like, hey, like, I'm in the industry. Um, I've been watching you guys for a while. I'm really interested. They didn't tell us where they worked, but um, they left. And I was like, I looked over at Julia. I'm like, I think that was like, that felt like that energy that was being put off. That felt important, you know? <laughs> and then a day later, a day later, um, we got an email from Sephora saying like, we'd love to have you guys down to San Francisco to learn more about the brand. And that was such a crazy moment. I feel like as founder, because like the initial goal for herbivore was to shift beauty. And like, this is something we came up with when we we're at doing farmer's market. Like, wouldn't it be cool? Cause like, I'm always dreaming like 3000 steps ahead and yes. it's annoying sometimes, but sometimes it's, I don't know, it's good for goal setting, but I'm like, you know, 
it's like when we were starting before, we're like, we want to see this like in, you know, we want to see beauty in sustainable packaging. We want to see beauty with non-toxic ingredients and with ingredients that can go back into the earth and decompose without causing massive problems. And we want to see like, you know, brands speak out on social justice and things that they're passionate about. And so it's like when we got into Sephora as like one of the original brands kind of with these like modern work ethics and modern values, I really felt like we were shifting it. And that to me is just like, that to me is like the biggest accomplishment I feel like that I've ever experienced having a brand. And so getting into Sephora was massive. It just felt like there really was change, you know, that was happening. And it just felt, you know, it wasn't just us. Like there's other people, everyone was, we want it as, as you know, consumers. Um, but to be there and be able to offer a product that ticked those boxes for everybody and have them all kind of turn to us was a very powerful, magical moment. Um, and and I, I'm sure you agree in saying like Sephora is truly a family. Like I work with many retailers as you guys do too, but the Sephora family, the the whole team, the merchants, it's just, it's made the whole journey of brand building so much better. Am I right? Definitely. Yeah. No, the guidance that we've gotten and just like to work alongside of them is truly a partnership. And it's yeah. very like, yeah, you get to know everybody there really well. Um, I yep. definitely know them better than any merchant of any other retailer because they do just get in close and they do help you build that brand. And definitely. what they did too, you know, you know, they kind of kicked that off like, bringing in herbivore it's like one of the first indie brands that were br they're bringing in i think we kind of surprised each other they're like you know because i think to see that they were willing to kind of provide the resources and the support to help elevate us but we were kind of one of the smallest brands i feel like they had ever seen you know so they were kind of asking when they first asked me what our distribution strategy was i was still thought distribution instead of meaning our retailer strategy and where we're where we're sold i thought it meant like how do we move goods around the country so i'm like you know a truck pulls into the loading dock we fill up the truck we send the truck on its way so and they kind of look at me like wait what that's like so the jar like there's so much jargon right there's so many words there's so many things to learn to kind of play in the retailers like with big retailers so that was that was funny. It was just kind of funny as we both kind of got to know each other because we were both just these strange beings to each other at first. But, you know, now we're super tight. <laughs> I, and I'm so glad you guys started that because I, I truly believe and I'll say it that you guys together, and especially you here before, um, caved the way, you know, for the the brands like like digital indie brands and new coming brands, because it was a, a different tactic for them at that time. But now it's because of success, it's all that they want to do and focus on. So I'm just so glad you guys, I'm so glad they also reached out as well, because that's, that's huge, right? Normally we always Definitely. knock on retailers and the fact that they reached out is just, well, I think you've had this experience where most retailers are reaching out, which is a dream. And that's where product, <laughs> having a killer product does do justice, you know. <laughs> they slide into your DMs, yeah. <laughs> they slide into your DMs. And then you have the choice of which ones do you want to block, which ones do you want to accept. But <laughs> swipe, in a way, swipe, you have swipe. to be. You, swipe, swipe right, swipe left. Um, <laughs> but that's point, the best place to be in. But I think the most important thing to take away from even the whole journey of having being the right pace, the right time or whatever, it's just about having the right pace that's right for you as a founder, but also your brand. So did you ever get a, a moment where you were like, we need to go quicker, we need to go quicker? Or did you just start enjoying your own right pace? 
I don't think I've ever gotten to just like lay back and be like, this is good. It's always been like, oh, we got to go quicker. We got to go quicker. We got to go quicker. I think that's a challenge of a rapidly growing company, you know, and Herbivore was built in a really unique way. So we really like being in Seattle, we are really isolated from the beauty scene in LA and New York and, and elsewhere throughout the world. And so when we were initially bringing in talent, um, we were just looking for people who could hustle, you know, like we had friends in the music industry we were bringing, we had friends in like the food and beverage or like in the restaurant industry we were bringing in just because we knew those environments were fast paced high energy and so like when we started putting together like our compounders and the people making the products we were bringing in chefs and cooks um, because they knew the line so we really built this team that was super non-conventional um and that had so many magical moments along the way too, because it's like, we really did kind of have to figure out everything on our own, but it was like those challenges every day. And it's like, when we realized we had to go faster, I mean, like when we were filling the first Sephora order for the blue tansy mask, which was our best selling product with them at the time, you know, we were just kind of, you know, in the factory, we all um, were using pastry bags. And mm-hmm. we were just going around filling each mask with a pastry bag. And we we're like, it's time to get a machine. We need to get a machine, you know, <laughs> um, because it's just like, it's just too much. So it's, it's, it's always about growth. It's always about playing the next five steps. It's always what space are we moving into next? It's all who's, who are the next hires. Um, but I feel like at least with my role in the last few years, um, I've finally been able to really kind of step into like the visionary piece that I've always wanted to play a part of. I was so wrapped up in operations for so many years of growing this company from, you know, I did finance for us for two years and I don't know anything about finance, you know, so you just like, they could give it to a CPA. They're like, what do you do here? I'm like, I don't know, fix it, you know? Um, But it's just, you know, supply chain, finance, HR, legal. It's like, these are all the hats you have to wear when you start your own company that aren't necessarily your dream hats, but it's just kind of part of the game, you know, until you can find that support and be able to bring on people to help you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. About 
And, you know, you can always go back to the initial dream or where you would want to sit after, you know, a few years of learning all the ropes because you have to do it at the beginning. And I do think, maybe I'm right or wrong, I don't know, but I feel personally that it's important as a founder to have as many hats or at least listen, go into those meetings because you get a much more deeper appreciation of the whole 360 of your own brand. Um, And it's the one selfish moment of our, like, brand building time where we can do that while we have the energy of starting whether it's your first company second company where i'm like when i build my next ones i'm like okay i don't need to know about the operations anymore hopefully by then i can be ready to just you know have a team in place but i'm so glad i did it because that's the best school you know we used to pay to go to university and college and now this is the best education right for sure it's definitely the best education um I do feel like I'm competent in any departmental meeting I sit in these days and can have something to contribute and at least understand everything that's happening and the strategy behind all the decisions we make. So I'm super, super grateful for that. And like, you know, I'm a little ADD just by nature. I think lots of founders kind of are because we just get these ideas, we run with it, but then it's, it's about shifting position, you know, and taking on like everything, right? So every week is a different week for me and it's a different set of lessons and it's just about constantly learning constantly listening and constantly adapting i think is really the takeaways to keep growing your company 100 percent, amen to that and you know one question i have as well is about from a really strong u.s kind of distribution and awareness that herbivore cultivated also thanks to the likes of sephora how did the whole um international kind of distribution and discussion take place within the company and i know like you launched in the uk in 2018 which is amazing i'm so glad because i literally go to cult and get my top-ups of the cocoa rose scrub and the soaps and everything so how did international come um, because how cool is it to take your brand international i feel like that exactly. was initially the conversation i mean like a distributor in Japan uh, reached out. This is our first international. And I'm like, I want to be sold in Japan. I want my brand in Japan. And it was really like that, you know, so it's like, yeah, let's have a meeting. Let's have them out. They were coming out to Seattle. We sat down, we discussed terms. Uh, we worked out a contract and we were sold in Japan. Turns out Japan's one of the hardest markets to get into because of all the testing. So I feel like I really got my schooling I'm going international by choosing Japan as the first. I mean, that's not normal. Launch. I have to let you know, but oh, I mean, pretty, no. pretty impressive you did that. <laughs> yeah, but Japan, no, but no, it was really exciting. Um, but UK was a much more like you know we 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 learned our lessons and kind of launching in the UK was really cool um, because that's when we decided like to launch in an international market. You need to make a splash, right? Yes. You want to have a big moment because you're taking you're putting your your brand in a whole new market that may not know you. So you want to make as much noise as possible. So that's when we teamed up with a PR agency in London um, for a launch. We came out, we did desk side editor interviews. We had a launch party. Um, we did some educational training. It was with Space NK was our initial launch there. Um, so, but what a magical trip too. I mean, it's just so cool. Like that was one more moment that I had when I landed in London and I was so jet lagged and like, probably made me extra emotional because I just saw like lapis in the window of like space and face our facial oil. And I was just like started crying. I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I don't know, sleep deprived. I was really feeling feelings. Um, but it was amazing like to just like, you know, be thousands and thousands of miles away and like 
London's so beautiful and just like, you know, I love aesthetic, obviously. And like, you know, we've got our strip malls here in America and I've seen my products in strip malls, but seeing this like beautiful London building and like surrounded by like old world charm and seeing Lapis right there, it was like, oh, um, what a great moment. That was fun. <laughs> I totally, I mean, I think I need to like uh, listen to that a bit more because I think obviously born and raised in London, I'm like, <laughs> right. by, the, by the strip malls. I'm like, that's super cool. Like 300 locations in the US, whereas I have one, just <laughs> one Liberty. But, um, but actually um, it is true. It is so nice to see your products um, enjoyed um, by people all around the world and, and giving them access, right? I think it's just that kind of um, duty of a founder of a brand to work towards international while sales can grow and that's good and all. It's really about giving access and, and, and you know, to, these, to people around the world who deserve to try the products that we, we create. I think, you know, we have to make it. But it does come in phases. It does come in time and capacity, mm-hmm. especially of bandwidth of team, which I think is one of the most important things to remember. Is, yes. As you said, you had so many hats on. I think, uh, you know, you have to also make justice to what you're, you know, what you're doing in your market where you launch as well, which is US, mm-hmm. which is very important. Um, so, you know, now going into kind of a bit more uh, out of herbivore into you, Alex, as a, as a, as a, as a human, as a founder, but as a human, um, I do want to know your rituals for success that guide you in your day-to-day kind of life. So do you have any kind of routine that you stick to or do you change it up every day? I have, um, I've always wanted to have a routine, but I've never had one. <laughs> I feel like so many people I listen to talk about their success. They're like, I wake up at seven and I start with this and then I go do this and this and this. And um, I use Notepad on my phone and that's all I've ever used to run Herbivore. So I have my to-do list. It's all about the to-do list for me. So it's just like anytime I get a thought, I just drop it in. And then when I start my day, I look at my to-do list and I just start to arrange it. Um, I mean, of course, Google Calendar too tells me when I have a meeting. Um, So I think between those two tools, but I think when I, you know, that's routine, but I do like to take good care of myself. Um, I, I, believe I live a healthy lifestyle. So like when I do get up, I start with a nice matcha, matcha latte. And then I, um, my favorite, yeah. um, and then I'll make like myself a nice like tofu scramble, make sure I have a nice breakfast. Um, and then I like to, you know, do some stretching, maybe some yoga, maybe some breathing. Um, I live in Hawaii, so I love nature. I love to get outside. Um, I love all the birds here. So sometimes I like to just go hang out with the birds and listen to them sing. Um, and just really making sure like I'm just in a good grounded state to take on my day. Um, when I first started herbivore and for the first five, six years, I had these bad habits of just diving straight into the work. There was always so much to do, you know, and I had so much of this weight to grow this company and didn't quite have everybody I needed to really, you know, support me taking much time for myself. But I did, you know, I would just like jump straight into it and I would work till it was time for bed. And that's like, you know, it's just a fast track to burn yourself out. And I think it's just so important as a founder or any kind of work. I mean, you just have to make sure you're taking time for yourself and you're setting your intentions for the day. When you're starting your day, you're taking a moment to get grounded in your space. You're taking a moment to reflect the goals that you want to achieve throughout that day. And it's when, when you take that time, it really helps you save time in the long run too, because you can be organized and you can take on your day from a calm point of view. I just found myself doing so much busy work. If I would just dive into the day without much of a plan, it's like, got to get this done and this done and this done. Cause like, 
in our society, there's always more to get done, you know? So it's like up to us to just set our boundaries as humans and be like, okay, like this is the priority of the things I have to get done and just kind of focus on those priorities. Do your best, but like take time for you too, because that's what's going to make you successful in the long run. Oh my God, Alex, like I've got shivers. This is so, I think I've asked this question, but you definitely, I dare I say, it's the most inspiring answer to yet. So thank you so much because, <laughs> and oh. also I do have to ask like, Hawaii, a amazing, but how is it like working from Hawaii? Do you have to travel a lot? Is it easy from kind of time differences? And Yeah, so through, um, during COVID, Herbivore became a really remote working environment. Um, yeah. So it was just about three months before COVID, we did our first round of capital. We raised money for the brand. And that was essentially to really bring in some talented leadership throughout the company. Um, and we were based out of Seattle, you know, at the time. And like I said, no one's really in Seattle. It's not a beauty mecca. There's not many people there. So I found that most importantly was talent. You know, second, you know, the geographical location wasn't as important anymore because we were now a few months into COVID. We were working remotely and we were having a lot of success. Our meetings were still going really great. We were having great communication with each other. Ideas were being executed. So I really got to expand the talent pool and just like, I just want to find my dream people, you know, so really just were able to bring like the dream people on board. Um, and then that allowed me to also take a look at where I was. And so I'd been traveling to Hawaii for years during the winter from Seattle to formulate because I work with plants. I love to formulate the products for herbivore and Seattle winters were just a little depressing. They weren't like immerse yourself in plants and create something out of nature that's beautiful. It's, it's more like curl up under a blanket and like cry yourself to sleep type thing, you know. No, that's too that's too dramatic. But no, but but I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And so um but yeah, so when I had that opportunity to come out here and really be in the most inspiring place, like I said, I love nature so much. I love plants so much. I love animals so much. So now I feel like I'm immersed amongst my people who aren't actually people, they're actually just plants and animals. And I'm the happiest version of myself I can be. And just, um, it just is really good for balancing, like, you know, my needs and... 100%. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I aspire, I mean... I'm right now in a white box in an office in London. Um, it's it's not the most, uh, I'm hearing your sounds of, of birds in the background. I'm like, oh, I want to be there. But um, I'm exactly the, the same as you. It's why I often need to travel a lot um, to nature. Uh, I'm go Every December, like I'm going to Africa. I need to be connected to animals. And it's just, I get a lot of inspiration in all my touch points of life and business through this. And think it's so important but we i need to take you you need to come with me to india once and we have to experience <gasps> a tiger and um i think you love it it's 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 um, amazing that the safari of, of, of india well africa is incredible but india is with a tiger i think you'd be really i am so there i was just obsessing over tigers yesterday i was talking about them a bunch i don't know why maybe it's like <laughs> but it's a sign <laughs> No, so we'll do it. We'll do it. When we do our press trip, I'll tell Spencer to like, Alex has to come. So yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, but, but actually, just before we go into Fire Round, we touched about the, the, the pandemic and how we've now, I guess, the business has shifted um, to be very much more agile, which is great. And for me, with Fable and Maine, we launched the brand during the pandemic. So all I really know is, is, is life kind of agile, I guess. Um, do you feel going forward as things are opening up, as you said, and um, 
we're kind of going back to a little bit of back to normality. It might not be the exact same version of it, but it's a sense of it. Do you think you'll have to start, you know, forcing like everyone coming to the office and having a permanent place? And do you think this will be something you'll be looking at doing or staying agile? Yeah, I've been having a lot of conversations with the teams in the various departments on what they want and what they feel like is best for them. Um, and what I'm finding is a lot of people are enjoying this new remote culture. Um, ideally, like I love, there's still like, I want in-person like team hangouts, right? Because it's like that bonding experience like can't be replaced. And it's really nice to get everyone under one room or under one roof and just have these like experiences together as people. Um, but from a professional point of view, we've been very successful like working remotely. So I'm hoping that I can get together some sort of trips or some sort of like gathering events where we can come together and just like, and just enjoy each other's company for a few days, just some sort of summit to yes. bring the brand together and and bond and have a nice time. Because like we see each other on Zoom every day. We have these amazing relationships. And it's so funny like to have this such a close, like intimate relationship with somebody, but be, only have met them once in person, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's it's a different world we've experienced the last few years, but I miss that human interaction. And we've been able to experience that a little bit more the past few months. And it's been really nice exactly and i think using this new normality as like a way to even accelerate the brand because and and the team morale because i worked in corporate for many years and often while we went to an office we didn't do team bonding we didn't do like a lot of these kind of retreats and i think by staying agile and being not necessarily in the same place efficiency can go up people's sense of even being in their own space it's, it's better but then being creative with how you meet and maybe even purposefully putting more time in each month to do retreats or meetups or, you know, uh, whatever, I think can actually be a better form of working because it didn't even exist sometimes before when we were in all in the office. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. just how you, how you do it. So I think everyone listening who has a company, it's really just listen to your teams and wants and needs. I tell my dad who's got a big company, I say, listen to your employees because not all of them want to come in. Some of them do, some of them don't. And you've got to cater to everyone now because it's a new, norm- new normality. So yeah. Um, but I do, um, before we go into fire round questions, I do have a question which I ask all my guests and it's about, you know, travel's opening up and TSA is being a, a lot stricter than usual. And they're saying, Alex, you can travel, but you can only bring one beauty product from Herbivore with you. So what is that go-to Herbivore Botanicals product? It's lapis oil for me. Um, I love lapis oil. That's just like, I've got combination skin. It's usually like a little bit oily. Sometimes I get blemishes and lapis is always like my go-to hero for it. Um, so that would be definitely the product that I bring along with me. Nice. To be honest, I was, I think it was in the Sephora two years, the last Sephora, when I went to, I, I went to your booth, which was incredible. And then I got the minis and this, um, you had this tote bag, this like mm-hmm. cool, um tote bag. I remember it so well because it was like, the best gift on the Sephora. <laughs> oh my I God, like, I, I know. <laughs> I was like so, I was I still have it. I still have that tote bag with the, the purple herbivore writing and um, on this, uh, this cotton tote bag. It was and, a Begu uh, bag. Exactly. It was that. And then it had all the it had minis in there and I got to try all the minis and it was amazing because I think that's one of the best things to try with your brand is just, I would just say, get the, the jewel box or get the minis and try a lot of everything um, because you've got some incredible oils. You've got a lapis one, orchard one, you've got different ones. But um, yeah, I just want everyone to try her before if you haven't, because I'm seriously obsessed, but I've said that already. So I'll move on. Um, <laughs> um, but going to fire round questions. So first thing that comes to your mind, 
what is another beauty brand that you're currently loving? Another brand that I'm currently loving is... Um, I always love youth, youth to the people. Um, yeah. I know Joe and Greg really well. We've been close um, for years and years, and I love to just watch them grow and they're doing amazing things and they make amazing products love their story too exactly I, they were we had them on the podcast and their story was awesome and i love their their merch this more antioxidants less ego it's like literally it's a genius i love it such good merch um, the best merch such good yeah. merch i even bought the like it's fashion it always yeah I know. exactly <laughs> i'm like are you a fashion brand as well because you're you know you're taking that they space are. as well yeah <laughs> but when you see joe and greg you realize or especially you know greg you, you, his stars you understand with the caps and stuff i love it um <laughs> what's a guilty pleasure of yours 90 day fiance reality tv show that's mm-hmm. my guilty pleasure <laughs> You know what? We all we all binge in a few reality TV shows, so it's just got to be done for our soul, you know. Um, I'm so embarrassed. I just said that, but it's a fire. No. You have to say the first thing that comes to your. You got to say the first thing. I, I, I honestly, um, you should not be embarrassed because I'm sure everyone watches it. So, um, what are you currently watching or reading now? Yeah, maybe reading more. <laughs> I have been flipping through my coffee table book, which I forget the name of it, but it's just a bunch of herbs and what they do. I just love like any kind of book about plants. I have so many of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't get enough of it. Um, just any kind of plant plant books. My well, my digital director, she's obsessed mm-hmm. with like herbology, medicinal herbology. So I did this mm-hmm. whole thing where I bought a lot of books for her birthday um, on that. And then I was like, they're so beautiful. They're so cool. I bought the same from me. So I, I understand exactly because there's so much to learn about plant herbs and adaptogens and the benefits. And I mean, obviously with my brand with Ayurveda, it's the whole ethos as well. So I get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite social media platform right now? Mm, right now is it's probably TikTok. I'm finally getting into it. It took me a long time. It's probably because like I'm in my 30s, but <laughs> I feel like I'm starting to cruise into it. And I've... Um, yeah, I've uh, started making some content for it. I think right now, as founder, a big thing that I'm taking on right now is shifting, like I said, from operations into more of content creation. So I've been spending a lot of time like on Instagram Reels and TikTok, just like soaking it up, you know, and trying to best understand it. But TikTok's just so wacky and weird. Like, I like that about it. Um, it reminds me, it's like Vine, if you knew Vine. Yeah. But Vine was just so yep, bizarre yep. and strange and like, I like how like raw and human and strange it is. Like, <laughs> it's you know, and it's a good break from. I, although I'm obsessed with Instagram and I go on all the time, TikTok is my escape of like this is not curated, this is not perfectly edited, this is just real raw. And I love the fact that you could be anyone and go viral. It's just not mm-hmm. a platform that I think kind of discriminates in that sense. It encourages all types of content creators. But it is super addictive, which is my biggest problem. <laughs> That's I'm the just, only I'm thing, in, right? You know? And then they get you. They know you so well. The, F, the For You page is just like, it knows me too well. I'm like, this is freaky. I actually yeah. like, even I, I go, I click on it. I go, not interested because I'm like, but I am interested. But like, just show me more of this. So, so. 
it won't stop me. Show, it won't like. There's this live thing it keeps trying to show me of people like doing ping pong trick shots, and each time I click, not interested. And I'm like, is there some deep seated obsession with ping pong trick shots that I don't even know about that they think I like? So I I'm trying. I have not received any of those, so I guess it I is know. something you're secretly liking. I don't know, but it, you can tell a lot about a person from their for you page. So I was gonna maybe eventually I was like, no, that's a bit of a cheeky question to ask people. What's your for you page like? But I think I might need to introduce that question because i'm quite curious well that's um, fine <laughs> now i know trick shots and, um, and my last question is if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur what would you be doing right now i think i'd be operating a nonprofit to make the world a better place i was a filmmaker before this so i would probably utilize film as the platform and just try to tell stories that need to be told um, that's always a goal for mine too in the future is get back into filmmaking get back into storytelling and just you know continue to shift it's like um, my only goal in life is to shift uh, the way we look at things and try my best to make the world a better place. So. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm sure you're going to do that because you're already doing that. Um, so I just wish you all the success, all the happiness and just herbivore and yourself to take over the world because we need more people like you. So thank you, Alex, so much for sharing your story. It's, it's been incredible. But where can everyone find yourself if you have your own social handles you want to share and herbivore? Yeah, so you can just find me on Instagram. If you just search Alex Kumaro, my handle is Alex Coombs. Um, I'm there. And then herbivore is just herbivore botanicals on Instagram. You can find us there too. And it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. I've loved this experience. It's been so great to talk to you. I hope we can talk again in, in the future, just as friends and founders. 100%. So. Yeah. We have to. We'll continue that. So, well, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable and Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 